0: In this episode of The Ziegler Show, our focus is an issue that bothers and concerns me with coaching and consulting and being a leader, and it's humility, or rather often a lack of it. There's a propensity when you have an area of expertise that you teach or lead from to then be the authority on everything, and it's just not possible, and I think more and more people don't trust it either. So how do you be a humble expert? That's this episode. Welcome, everyone. I'm Kevin Miller. Every week, I publish four podcast episodes over three different shows that have been downloaded over 50 million times now. So much of personal development and self-help address issues in our lives that are just symptomatic and we don't get the change that we want. So I dig into the root issues of what will help us achieve the progress and results we desire in our work, in our life, in our health. This is The Ziegler Show. It's ranked number two in all-time career podcasts in Apple Podcasts. And here we focus on progress in your professional life, your work, and vocation, and business in my Motive Podcast. It's focused directly at you. Your motives are your reasons for all you do and the root of your behavior and personal ability. In episode 25, I bring you the motive story of one of my favorite authors of all time, Donald Miller. What motivated this kid from a broken home to write his first memoir at 21 and soon after a massive best-selling memoir, then turn his focus to helping entrepreneurs. And then as you'll hear, put his sights to politics next. We cover it in motive episode 25. Then in the True Life podcast, we key in on your necessary physical and mental capacity for the purpose of allowing you to freely do what you really want to do and not be held back by your body. In episode 67, Dr. James and I tackle genetics. How much do they dictate your health and wellness? It's important to understand as it has so much to do with how much influence and control you perceive you have. That's True Life episode 67. You can find all three of my podcasts in Apple Podcasts, just search for Kevin Miller or go to my website, kevinmiller.co. And if you're new to The Ziggler Show, I invite you to visit ziggler.com coach and connect with Tom Ziggler about becoming a Ziggler coach. Tom, I've had more and more shows these days, just talking about the younger generation and we've got, you know, corporate America talking about some of the struggles with the younger generation, not to just diss, you know, to diss them, but that as much expertise as people have in certain areas and whether you went to school and got a degree or certification, a license or whatever, that they're not seeing as many of the soft skills, right? Uh, which I'm grateful for somebody recently, I don't know who it was caught saying that it shouldn't be soft skills. These are essential skills, but it's the people skills. It's how to win friends and influence people. And, uh, and in one of those things, uh, you know, the, the, these younger g- generation really wants authenticity. They do want that. And so, you know, here they are lacking soft skills, but they really want authenticity, but how do you walk that out? And you and I grew up in an era where a lot of people on stage, if you're an expert, an author, a coach, a consultant, whatever, you really gotta, you, you gotta know it all. And I think we're at an age when people are less trusting of that, less desiring of that know it all so how do you you know how do you be a coach be an expert but also be have humility you know in that and again i'll preface this again i mean the point is this show is to help all those out there who are coaches who are consultants and you could put in that i mean obviously tom you know business owners Uh, heck, you know, you know, managers, leaders, if you're leading people, influencing people, how can you do that better? How can you get better results? How can you get better testimonials? How can you get more referrals from people? And I'm going to throw it at you on this, Tom, but you know, I want people to hear that you can be a great coach. You can have great expertise. You can even lead a client to a good result. And yet not get referrals from them, not get repeat business from them if they don't you know, know, like, and trust you overall. And this aspect of humility is one that I just, it just keeps popping up for me, Tom. And I know you've seen the good, the bad, the ugly of this. And you saw your dad walk it out so well. You walk it out so well. You teach people in the Ziegler Coaching, you know, how to do this so well. But it just seems like it's a dangerous uh, it's a danger that comes with leading and coaching.
1: That's that's kind of a of a, of a loaded question. Uh, yeah. the, you know, you you said how do you get referrals? You can do a great job with someone, and you may not get a referral out of it. And uh, mm-hmm. Rabbi Lappin says that opportunity seeks out the generous. Mm. That's and generous that's good. And so what does he mean? He, the way he explained it is that when we are uh, generous with someone, then it's easy for them to refer us. And the reason is, is that if I say, uh, let's say, Kevin, you come to me and you say, hey, Tom, I've got this thing, can you help me with it? And I say, Kevin, that's out of my expertise, I'd love to help you, but I can't. And then you say, well, Tom, I value your opinion Who would you recommend that I go to? Yeah. So in my head, you and I are really good friends. And my first thought is not who is the most selfish, egocentric person I can refer you to (laughs) because I value our friendship. (laughs) What I'm going to do instead is I'm going to think of who do I know who's an expert and who is generous, who is going to treat you right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yep. And yeah. I, I, I've
0: been, I, I've been recommended. I bet this has happened to you, Tom, where somebody I'll say, Hey, I'm looking for somebody here and they'll say, okay, so this person is really good and they think they're really good too. So just, you're going to have to deal with that.
1: I, I've gotten that way too many times. So I think, uh generosity and being humble. A lot of times, like those, those go hand in hand. Yeah. Um, you know, and I love this subject because I was when we look at the, as a coach, what, what's the key, you know, what is it that a great coach does? And, and coaching is different than mentoring. A, a mentor will bring um, not only experience, which a coach brings, but a mentor a lot of times will just out and out say, you should do it this way. This is what worked for me. I think you should go and try it. A coach is far more on the discovery side. A coach is going to dig in and ask the questions that allow the coachee to discover what it is that they really want. And then ask the questions, okay, you really want that. What does that mean? How does that change your life? What are what are the things you've got to do to go and get that? Yeah, And it takes a lot of, and, and because you coach people, who come from a different experience, different walks of life, different gifts and talents, different personality styles, it takes a lot of humility to let their self, who they are and where they've come from, shine and really direct the type of answers they need to go and find. Because if you're arrogant, or you've been there and done that, and this is the only way to do it, uh, you're gonna you're gonna th- you're you're gonna emphasize, hey, this is what I think you should do based on my experience, which which may not be the best solution for them. Well, so on
0: that solution, you answer that. So Tom, you do you spend a lot of time, uh, well, you coach coaches and how to do this well through Ziggler Coaching, but then you also act individually as a coach as an executive coach and in a this isn't fair to ask a number but a percentage if you had to throw a ballpark at it just that solutions how much time do you spend giving answers and solutions as opposed to how much time do you spend as a coach asking questions that they can answer themselves instead of you giving that like you said the mentor hey here's what you should do
1: you know, it's a lot like uh, sales. If you're talking more than 20% of the time, you're not the one making the sale. <laughs> so, That's great. And so uh, even when I end up talking more than than 20 or 30% of the conversation, a lot of times it's rephrasing what was just said. Yeah. And digging into that a little bit. Um, and I'll admit, just like everybody else, every now and then I'm just like, hey, what about A, B, and C? Um, because some of what people are coming to me for, because of my experience, is they're like, hey, I'm ready to implement whatever, what, what, what do you see, right? And, and so when they say, what do you see? I, I say, well, have you thought about this? Or have you thought about that? How does that feel? yeah, and yeah. so it gets a little bit more into the recommendation, but very rarely is it um, you know, at the beginning of a relationship where where you're doing that.
0: Well, and yeah, and I understand that. there are some times when i I've even gotten frustrated with somebody who won't be prescriptive enough, like a doctor. you know, I, I get on Randy sometimes with that of uh, there's been so many times with doctors. With uh, back with with one of my kids who had a lot of medical one of my, one of them had a lot of medical issues, where I found myself saying, "Oh my gosh, w- what would you do if it was your kid? What would you do?" And they don't want to answer that sometimes. But I'll go, "Come on, you know, seriously." So yeah, I think there's the time to be prescriptive, but uh, but yeah, I'm just so aware of the good coaches, the good consultants asking so many questions. It was, so we had some people respond to my question about. Uh, about coaching, uh, Philip Patfield, one of our one of your uh, Ziggler folks here, he says it's called being authentic and staying involved. Just as Zig modeled and taught, when you're so when and when you're authentic, so many doors open. Uh, when you stay rooted and you stay grounded, you know there's that word of authenticity. To be authentic, I mean, it's impossible. We cannot know. The best way to do everything and we've this has come up a lot tom with i I know that i've been vocal and i struggle with the whole life coaching aspect that one i don't think you can coach in anything without being a relevant life coach and being able to address that you know multiple areas in somebody's life but to come off and say that yeah i can help you with anything in any place in your life what you got finances career business marriage health I can take care of it all. I don't believe it. And I don't think most people do these days to be authentic is to say, look, I have some areas of expertise, but I don't know it all. And to be able to say that, I I don't know. And I found myself as a coach often doing that, but getting just as much gaining, just as much credibility by saying, you know what? I don't know, but I know where to find out and let's connect. Like you said, is that to refer them to somebody else or is that that you know you're a good curator and you can go get that resource and find that they don't care if it came from your head of personal knowledge or that you were able you knew where to go find it
1: and that's just as relevant i think yeah and i have a i have a metaphor that i love and i call it the the bridge to purpose and so this is this is to me this is a typical coaching scenario Somebody's stuck they're frustrated they're not uh performing at the level that they think they should perform uh, and it could be all the way from super negative and the boss is like look if you don't get your act together you're fired and so you need to go see a coach to the you know somebody's dragging in reluctantly uh to somebody who is paying three or four coaches in different areas and they're just such a student and they're just so eager to learn uh that they're like the ultimate person to work with right and so in the bridge to purpose you know imagine that there's this raging river that is separate that's between them and whatever it is they want to accomplish and so you got to build a bridge over it now when you in the mind when you start thinking about this bridge there's two pillars that make up this bridge and one of them is um self image. And the other one is belief or mindset. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so here's the thing that's interesting is as a, as a, if you want to put life coach on me, uh, I can, I can help you in any area of your life. If you have a pillar image problem, if you have a pillar problem, if your bridge is built on a poor self image or a wrong belief, then, you know, I can help you with nuclear science. I mean, it's like... True, right. Right? Uh, And so, because, and really that's what our whole, uh, you know, I was raised on this. You know, it's possible to, it's impossible to consistently form or perform in a manner that's inconsistent with the way you see yourself. And so that's a self image issue. And if you believe or you don't believe you're right. I mean, that's a belief issue. And so those are the two pillars. And then I look at what we've been teaching and, and that's the wheel of life, the seven areas of life, the mental, the spiritual, the physical, the family, the financial, the personal, and the career. Those are the specific areas in life and that's, this, that's what the bridge is made out of. So yeah. the pillars support those seven areas. And when we get into coaching there, you know, it usually boils down to a self-image, a belief, or a relationship challenge with one of those seven areas that's holding them back uh, or that they haven't seen yet. They haven't discovered yet. And that's, that's kind of where we, that's how, this is how we teach our coaches uh, to approach it from. And we actually have a coaching process that we take people through. Uh, and the, the powerful thing about a process is that when I'm working with somebody, I can listen to understand what they're saying rather than listening to respond when I know where we are in the process. Yeah. Okay. And so I've had a lot of conversations the last three weeks around, you know, what are, cause the book that I just, I sent it off today.
0: You are listening to the Ziegler show and
1: I just interrupted
0: Tom Ziegler because next he gives the title of his next book and a sneak peek. So I'll let you hear that right after I share some great products and services.
1: Hey, congratulations. Awesome. The uh, 10 Leadership uh, Virtues for Disruptive Times, that's, that's the title, okay? And it's written for a coach leader. So, so I, I've spent the last better part of a year focusing in on, well, what are the virtues that a coach should develop in themselves to be an effective coach or an effective leader or both? And coach leader is kind of what I've termed as the leader of the future. Because uh, the, the, the fact is, is disruption is coming faster and bigger than it's ever come. Yeah. And when you, and coaches will tell you this, so you go and you, you work with coaches right now, what are they dealing with? They're, they're dealing with people kind of in the shock and awe of all the change that's happened, how much different their life is now than a year ago. And technology is telling us it's going to be even more different in the future than it is now. And, and so here's the thing, it's a mindset challenge. Do I embrace the change and pivot? Or do I keep telling myself the old story of, Hey, this isn't fair. You know, I'm, I'm good at this and I'm not good at that. And suddenly I don't have a home anymore. Right. And, and that's a, that's a mindset. And so this great question about humility or being humble, there were the the last two or three weeks, we were thinking, okay, so what are the three outward behaviors that would um, create what you just asked in that question? And the three that we came up with are respect, love and kindness. Hmm. Now of the 10 virtues, and maybe, uh, maybe I'll do this. I'm going to, I'm going to skip to the last, uh, the closing of the book. How about we do that? Let's, let's read out loud the unedited closing of the book for all of our podcast listeners. Uh, Because, I would, you know, I was asked, Hey, we've got a, so I'm scanning through here, getting to the very last. So for context, this is Tom's latest book that will this be, when's it going to come out, Tom? Either the end of this year or the very beginning of next year. Okay. So as I'm, I'm scanning through, cause we just put it into a new, uh, a new document And I've listed these 10 virtues. And interestingly, none of the 10 virtues were love. But all 10 of the virtues are love walking out into the world. In other words, how do you show love? So the core virtue is this. Uh, So here it is. Here it is. I'm reading it. A final word. The greatest of these is love, and that comes out of 1 Corinthians 13.13. 13. As you set your, forth your mind to become the best coach leader possible, I encourage you to keep it simple as you develop the 10 virtues in yourself and implement all of the techniques and strategies in the book. The coach leader game plan gives you a usable sequence of success you can grow with and equip those you lead to do the same. And yet, if you do all this book contains without love, it will be to no avail. Perhaps another way to look at becoming an outstanding coach leader is to consider that only one virtue really matters. And that is love. And all of the other virtues are simply ways of expressing love. After all, if you love yourself and those you lead and God, wouldn't you follow through in expressing that love in the ways that allow yourself and others to become the person God created you to become? So that's the wrap up. And and so people always want to go yeah but but you know but I need to narrow this down and so one of the 10 virtues is being humble. I mean it's it's right in there. But the three that I think you lead with are respect, love, kindness. That's and great. so think about this, the reason I love those three is that If you're truly humble, you are going to respect whoever's in front of you enough to find out who they are. Yeah. And you're going to, and, you know, in a coaching situation, it's usually, you know, it's two people on this, you know, with, they're trying to discover the truth together and there's not animosity, but here's the cool thing. Let's just say you are negotiating with an adversary. Wouldn't it make sense to respect them for who they are, even if they have radically different opinions than you? Yeah, because respecting someone doesn't mean that you agree with them. And the kindness is the same way. I interviewed Shante Fieldhelm for the for for this book, and wow, what a what a great time we had and put some nuggets in there. Uh, but kindness is the same thing. You, If you're truly kind to someone, that just, that shows humility. I mean, I don't, I don't know if you could find somebody who's really, really kind and not humble, or on the other side, somebody who's Agreed. really humble and not kind. Yeah. yeah. Right? And, and those two things are so intertwined. And then of course it all comes from from love. And the thing I love about love is, is, um, and this is, this is a great coaching point. Uh, if your primary virtue is tolerance, you can't be a good coach. It's impossible because tolerance means that if they think it's okay, even though you know that it's holding them back from the next level, you're going to let it slide. Yeah. But if you love them, you might even risk the coaching relationship with love. I mean, I've, I've told people, hey, you, you know, you, you may fire me after this. That's OK. <laughs> but I love you too much not to tell you that this, you, the choice that you're about to make there and the path you are going on, it's, it's, it's not truth. It's, it's not something that's going to ultimately take you to where you want to go. Well, and you're making it about them. And that's such a
0: great perspective from coaching. Is it about you, or is it about them? What one of the people who responded, uh, Tom Marvin Pennick, he says, "My expertise. He's a coach, lies in being confident in the knowledge I've gained and holding the desire to humbly serve my clients rather than impressing them." And I love that as a perspective. Of are you trying to? Is it about them or about? you and how so often we can get into the coaching and we're feeding something for ourselves like in that sense we're trying to impress them well that's about you and to be candid I mean back when I was at a height of coaching slash consulting and burned myself out I was trying to, kind of back to what we talked about, I was trying to be prescriptive. I was trying to find the solution, find the answer for them, tell them what to do. I felt so much, way too much responsibility uh, for the results. And ultimately, it was more about, not that I didn't help them. I got great testimonials, but I was ultimately hurting myself and I think hurting them as well by not letting them find their own way. And it was about me. And I was dealing with some of my own issues of trying to prove that I was all heart, that I was all about them. That was more about me than it was them, which to your point, it was not the love that I could have had better by stepping back, making this, make sure, is it about them? What is best for them? Like you said, even if it's something that's hard, a hard thing to say, uh, I was not doing that. I was doing way too much people pleasing. And now to Marvin, you know, he's apparently what he's experienced or maybe struggles with himself. I don't know. But am I a great that's a great uh, uh, filter to ask ourselves, am I trying to impress this person? Or am I trying to love him well? This is interesting, Tom. Brian Lynchard here, he says, all three of my life slash business coaches have been through some very difficult times very, very difficult, probably humbling times. Uh, I couldn't imagine hiring a coach that hadn't gone through some major failures and difficulty. I see so many out there selling themselves as coaches who really just don't have the hard knocks experience. Why would I hire someone as a coach that hasn't experienced hard, uh, difficult, and humbling times? And yet again, we so often come to coaches where we think, I have something that I know really well. I'm an expert at. I've got you know, I've got good results and we come and think that that's enough. And that's, as you know, that's a problem. We have a lot of people who can help a lot of other folks, but they struggle to even get somebody in front of them. And I don't know that, I don't know that they often realize why. And I'm afraid so often it's because of this. They're not leading, as you said, with respect and love and kindness and humility and being, man, I, I, I like what Brian said there because I've experienced most of the, uh, so much good counsel that I, I've gotten is from people who said, man, I did it wrong. I did it wrong. And here's what I learned from that, as opposed to, hey, I just arrived here and f- had it all figured out and I'll bestow my great wisdom upon you. Uh, I, I see the best coaches coming from, yeah, again, this aspect of humility, but that should be a good call out to a lot of people who feel like, gosh, do I really have the credibility to be a coach because I failed so badly if you've redeemed that if you've overcome if you come from that then I I think even more so even more so and then
1: conversely if you just failed and you haven't recovered that's going to hurt your credibility to be a coach yeah that's a big you know working with coaches that's a mindset challenge for a lot of coaches Uh, they don't think they're ready yeah and I'm like what do you mean and I ask them questions and, and it's like, man, you're a, you're a superstar. You need to go out there. Yeah. But I have, I haven't done this or that and they're they're comparing themselves to a standard that's impossible. Yeah. Um, and so there's a, there's a bigger issue with, Hey, I'm not worthy to be a coach in my view than there's people who were totally unqualified as you know, with, without that, um, kind of pedigree that we're, we're looking for and a lot of it is age and experience. I mean, you know, uh, the, 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 the reality is, you know, that saying that when the, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. Uh, Yeah, absolutely. And I, I believe that everybody has an ear for a certain type of person or coach, and you never know who's going to respond to you. Yeah. Uh, and I look at some people and I'm like, how in the world are they changing so many lives? Cause I just don't get them yeah. and they've got rave reviews. Uh, but I've learned, wait a second, they know how to touch people that I can't touch. Yep. Right. Yeah. And, and so now I'm, you know, when somebody who I'm working with says, Hey, I'm moving on. I, my question is who are you moving to? Yeah. Because it's a lifelong journey. It's 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 a process to grow. Well, into that point
0: too, Tom, as far as humility and coaching, you and I both came from leaders, coaches, who were lifelong students as well. They never viewed themselves as I am now the teacher. And for the rest of my life, I'm the teacher. Everybody else is students. You know, or, or I think we get into this, we can fall into this of, of leader and follower, that some people are leaders. I just did a show, a motive uh, podcast, uh, podcast on this topic of, of that, of feeling like there are leaders and there are followers. I don't think that's what we're called to. I think we all are called to be leaders in certain areas and to be followers in certain areas. So you grew up with the father of Zig Ziglar who's out leading and influencing so many people. And of course, as you know, he sat for what was his norm? You know, three hours a morning reading and learning and not only reading and learning, but his point was to that he talks about so much was to then be able to teach that to somebody else. Like, hey, this is what I just learned. And I, I, I'll i never forget realizing that with my dad that here he was and I saw him as this leader, coach, influencer, author, expert, people paying him for his counsel. And yet he was the first one to be he had a budget, a, a week or a monthly budget, yearly budget on him getting taught of him being the student, him being the follower. And I just I, I recognize that as a, that is a humility in and of itself. And so I think as us, as coaches, if you're sitting out there as a coach, that part of your training, part, part of your reality as a coach is that you are as a coach, and I'm going to put slash teacher at slash leader that you also are proactively a follower and a student as well. Otherwise you're going to end up over here feeling like believing that you need to be the end all leader to the world all the time and you get into that brandy and i talk about of course he's a doctor he's an md and you know we joke so often about when you're a doctor you're supposed to know everything it's like by, by proxy so you're supposed to and uh it's uh pedantic is the word that we come across is it is it a one of the pedantic docs or you know a, like yeah. a real life person
1: yeah well you know einstein i think uh, his humility was expressed in his curiosity, like his, like his virtue probably that stood out was, you know, his intellect was second to none, but it was his curiosity that allowed that to make a difference. And so he was always trying to figure out what he didn't know. Yeah. And always in an amazement, you know, uh, in, in that area, when we, when we think about coaching someone there's a lot of definitions that go out into the world, you know, because what you described you were doing is more consultant than coach. Right. And you know what, there's a valuable place in the market for a consultant. Uh, You know, companies or individuals that need results that, that, you know, they're not really worried about the how of, you know, learning the mechanics of it. They just don't want to know what to do. They, you know, the why, they don't care. The what do I need to do? Let's, let's go do this. And then coaches, I believe, should be really focused on that individual and helping that individual discover what it is that they want and then ask the questions that help them discover and take ownership of the choices that they make towards that. Now at Ziegler, we, you know, my goal is to actually take it one step further because we look at coaching through a legacy lens. Yeah. And legacy is when you help those you love grow through life's most difficult challenges. Hmm. Legacy is when you teach and transfer the wisdom, the knowledge, the habits that allow someone to make good decisions that ripple through eternity. And so ultimately, I want our coaches to coach so well that who they're coaching can actually take what they've learned and coach themselves when need be or coach their family members because the process works. It's so simple, it's so next step. So people will say, well, once you learn the process and you can coach yourself, then you don't need a coach anymore. No, you need to coach even more. And the reason is, is great coaches have the ability to shine the light on blind spots. Yeah. And so one of the reasons I think everybody needs at least one coach is we've all got blind spots.
0: Yes, we do. That's uh, Randy's statement. The most dangerous thing is we don't know what we don't know. Uh, I, I want to point out something you said about me. It sounded like I was doing more consulting. That is what I grew into. And I literally left, per, just for me, I left the term coach because I didn't see that I did that well. I was a good consultant to do an initial audit, to see uh, you know, where you want to go, where are you right now? audit that and say, man, here's where I think a good direction would be for you to go. The coaching, though, the ongoing, like you said, the discovery, the to me walking that kind of the daily walking, the encouragement, the support, it's just not uh, something that I am good at. It's very draining for me. It's not where my skill set is. And so I made that delineation between consultant and coach. And as a consultant, I'm very good. And I do that today but not as an ongoing coach. I think even that is good for people to think about as they're positioning themselves as a coach, you know, slash consultant. Um, Tom, I want to read one more just because it was, I, I think it was really beneficial for this show. Cindy Sykes, she says, she's a coach. I will often use examples from my own life. I share how horrible something was, how I worked my way through it and how I deal with things like that now like that. I want to point that out now. She, she, she sees herself still on the journey. They understand that I know because I've been through it or something similar. I'll also flat out say, okay, that's not something I've been challenged with. Can we try a few things and see if that's the direction we need to go? I'm just really honest and I always let them know they can disagree with me and choose what they feel is best. It's their choice. That feels like love, like putting that person first, not yourself. Now, again, you know, I'm going to say that. And also we have to have credibility. We've got to showcase that. So I, I've literally had some people say that to me, "That like, Kevin, you're too self-effacing. Come on. You've obviously got some expert expertise here, don't discount yourself, that we do have to have credibility. We do have to have expertise. We do have to have overcome or have some overcoming, even if we're on the journey to say, gosh, I'm still on this journey, but I have achieved XYZ. I may be further around the corner than you are, and I can help you, you know, in those regards. And I I have had some people just on that aspect of credibility uh, say, you know, just say, man, I, I I, would like to be a career coach. I really." am suffering in my career. Well, that's not the time to do it. Let's get past that suffering and have some overcoming. That's the credibility to then lead somebody. So just having empathy is not enough. We do have to, again, I'm not trying to discount somebody's expertise. I'm just saying that is not enough. And and Tom, uh, following, this is episode 872, I'll, I'll repeat this again in a minute in the int, in the outro for this show. Uh, in 873, I have David Horsager on the show, uh, the Trust Edge, and we talk about this and we talk about this aspect within leadership, within influence, within you know coaching, consulting. That in regards to trust, which is the number one commodity we can have, number one asset we can have, uh, that having good character, doing the right thing, even. Well, as we're saying, putting the person first, having love is not enough. You can lose trust in some other ways Uh, that that is not enough. And just like in coaching, we want to say, gosh, if I've got expertise and I can show people how to do this, it's just not enough. Not if you want long term clients, if you want referrals, you've got to be coaching is more. Again, it's such a personal thing, uh, Tom, and I think that's why what people don't Realize is that if I am selling you a widget, I can put that widget up front, talk about it, how it'll help you, and where I'm selling the widget. When I say I'm a coach, man, I am selling me and I'm selling all of me. And that's daunting. And I I don't think it gets the gravity that it deserves, which is why you do what you do with Ziggler Coaching to help people understand the breadth, the opportunity, not trying to be negative on it, the opportunity, the grand opportunity. But it's a big deal to be a coach.
1: It is, there's a huge responsibility and, you know, we talk about, you know, we said there's, there's five keys to being a successful coach. You got to be the right person. You got to have the right program, the right content, the right material. That's number two. You got to have the right process. You got to have the right support and the people around you. You got to have the right business systems, but number two in there is you got to have the right program, the right material, uh, the right content. And when you just talked about trust and and David, he's fantastic. Here's the reality is that all relationships require trust in order to have a deep and meaningful relationship. If, If you don't trust someone, your relationship is gonna be surface level intense at best, right? And so where does trust come from? Trust is the byproduct of integrity. So, you know, Dad, if you if your word is no good, you're no good. If you don't have integrity, if I can't count on you, then I can't really trust you. And, and so one of the things we teach is well, where does where does integrity come from? Yeah. And integrity comes from truth. So I want everybody to hear this. Truth cannot contradict itself. So in order to create integrity in my own life, I have to base my life on the truth. And so when you are working with somebody and helping them discover things and you're you're working on content or material that's going to take them closer to their objective, you got to be sharing the truth with them. Mm because out of truth comes integrity, out of integrity comes trust, and out of trust comes relationships. And a lot of, and this is where love is really interesting, love and kindness, okay? Because we all look at love and kindness on the soft side, right? Oh yeah, I love everybody, be kind to everybody, oh, kumbaya. But when you're in a relationship with someone, or I should say not but, but I should say and, and when you're in a relationship with someone, Is it loving and kind to share with them or to not point out something that you know is gonna cost them later on? And that's what coaches do. Coaches are willing to be bold enough to in love and in kindness say, hey, that is a dead end. That direction you're going is not gonna work. The way that you are treating people or whatever the behavior is, or whatever the ethics are, that's not the way it works. Yeah. and it takes love and kindness to do that well. And you just said that, Tom. So, so there, there's a
0: great capstone for this: that being a coach, I can sell you again back to that widget. I can sell you a widget, and I'm just selling you a widget. We don't have to have a relationship. If you're going to be a coach, it's a relationship. And if you don't have that love and kindness, the soft side in quotes there, as you said, then I'll come back to what I said earlier. You can be, and I've had this happen. I'm sure you have too, Tom, where somebody can ask me about something and and I'd say, yeah, they were an expert. Absolutely. They knew their stuff. And did they help you? They actually did. They helped me get the result. Would you refer them? Nope. None of us want to be that person. Again, I'm not minimizing your expertise. I'm saying you can sabotage that expertise if you don't do that because coaching is such a relationship and love and kindness are at the forefront. If you want that return client, if you want a testimonial, and if you want repeat or want referral business uh, from them. Well, Tom, good, uh, good topic there. And uh, I have been grateful to be under your coaching. And to feel your love and kindness. Thank you. Thank you, brother. I appreciate you, brother. For every one coach, consultant, and leader who had their feathers a bit ruffled by us saying that they need to stay in their lane and not try to come off as an expert in every area of life, there are 99 others who should have just gotten a bunch of relief and peace from being able to offer their wisdom and be allowed to not have to be the authority on every subject. I mean, how exhausting and impossible is that? Coming up in episode 873, I bring you David Horsager, and we talk about trust. Here's my hook to you. I bet you are trustworthy, and I'll pretty much guarantee you're doing some key things unknowingly that erode the trust people place in you, and from that, you're not getting the loyalty and referrals you deserve. So join us in the show, and we'll break it down for you.